Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at the first two verses in chapter 12. On Sunday mornings, we have been studying the book of Revelation, and we will pick that up this summer. If that interests you and you're looking for a church home, uh, we come on back. We are going to... Uh, I was going to make some jokes. No, we do not, it, we do not, in, we do not take in the sci-fi channel uh, template for the book of Revelation. So uh, if you would like to know what we believe or what, we, what it appears to be that the Scripture teaches us, uh, because the book of Revelation is written to bless us and to inspire us to live with an eye on eternity, because eternity is real and is trying to get our attention. So come on back and we'll talk about it. But today, everybody say, run the race. Now, it does not, it, I, if you're thinking to yourself right now, which I think some of you with certain red hats may be, that it's, it's slightly ironic that I may be talking about a race <clears throat> or running at all. But <clears throat> it's a metaphor, all right? So Hebrews chapter 12, Beginning with the first two verses, here's, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Now, I'm going to say the writer or the author a lot, only because we don't, we aren't, we don't have a certitude about which, which of the, the name of the author of this text. It's an ancient text. It was accepted and embraced by its original audience and recognized as, an, as sacred text, but we just aren't given a name. So we'll say the author. Here it is. Verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have... So great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. The writer of Hebrews here tells us that the Christian life is. A race. Would you all say it's a race? It's a race. Okay? It's a race. The, the metaphor here is intentional and strong. He doesn't say it's like a race or it's sort of like one or it's as. He just calls it a race. For us, what we need to understand then is that the life of faith in and following Jesus Christ as Lord is a race. It's not a hike. It's not a stroll. Why, why, is it, why wouldn't you call it a hike? Here's the deal. I, I know we're in the Northwest. I'm from here. I don't know that I belong here, <laughs> but I know I'm from here. And I understand that people around here like to go on hikes. But here's the deal with a hike. You start off, you wander, you go somewhere, there are no snacks unless you pack them. And then it's at some point, listen to this, at some point, did you wear the wristband? All right, it's a race, okay? Uh, at some point, you turn around and just go back the way you came. You're, 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 in fact, your goal in a hike is to start off or to end up where you started. You know, you know, someone's trying to say there's more. No, let me talk. No. Here's the deal. But a race has a beginning and a finish line. See, the fact that we're talking about the Christian life as a race means that, that, that we, we, are, we have a sense of urgency and purpose to this life. That the Christian life is focused and it is fervent. It has a reason. It has a goal. And like a race, every step in our Christian life matters. 
Not one step is wasted. We live every, every day serving Jesus matters and is meaningful. The original audience of this letter of Hebrews faced many challenges in their Christianity. And it's probably the reason why the author is using this metaphor and talking of the way he does today that we'll read. They faced obstacles to their Christianity. These were people that many of them were, had, were, were Jews who had come to faith in Jesus Christ as Messiah and then Gentiles who had also had joined the church. And yet they faced obstacles. They, first, they faced rejection by their former friends and family in the Jewish faith. They faced persecution by the Roman church, oppression by the Roman church, by the Roman government, oppression by the Roman government. They also faced all kinds of of stuff going on in in there. You might not believe this, but 2,000 years ago, things were kind of licentious. There was a little bit of of temptation. Some people lived carnal lives. I know. Good thing we don't live like that anymore. The temptation towards immorality and unfaithfulness and infidelity in, in life and to betray one another and to, and to incorporate unclean and unrighteous behavior was present, just like it is today. In other words, those people back then were, were in the same kind of race that you and I are in today. They had persecution, oppression, temptation, all of those things which sought to hinder or distract them or keep them from running. So therefore, the author of the book of Hebrews tells them, keep running. Run the race. Would you all say it with me? Run the race. We're not, the, the writer isn't denying the existence of challenge. The writer is not denying the existence of persecution or, or problems or circumstances that, that every once in a while might even make it hard to run. He's not denying those things. He's saying, even in the face of those things, because of Jesus Christ, because of what we'll see today, keep running. Run the race. One more time, would you all say it out loud? Run the race. The question, though, is this. Why should we run and how should we run? And that's what these couple of two or three verses really talk about is why we run and how we do it. And if you'll lean in and give, me, and, and give the scriptures your ears, let's listen in carefully to what the writer tells us. Not only does he tell us that we're in a race, it's important to, to pause and recognize even before we begin, we, we continue rather, that he writes a slightly unique, a lot of the New Testament literature is written in the second person plural. It's written by one person to a group of people. So you hear a lot of things like you are and you ought to and this is true of you. But here you notice that the, the language is in the third person, which he's talking about, he says we and us. He recognizes that he, the writer, is in the same race as his audience. The same is true for you and me this morning. You're in a race. I'm in the same race. And we, believers in Jesus Christ, and especially, and, I'm, and I would speak even particularly to those that would call this church home, we are in this race together. We at Heritage are in this race. We, are, we, have, uh, we have been in a race as a church for about 10 years. And we've seen some neat things in 10 years. 
We've seen some really neat miracles in 10 years. We've seen really neat, powerful things happen in some families in 10 years. We've seen lives change. We've seen joy happen and hope be fulfilled in 10 years. We've walked through some heartache. We've walked through some challenge in 10 years. We've walked through challenges in 10 years. And we have walked through victory in those years. And here's what I'm saying. We are, we, we, we are not done yet. We are farther than we were, but we see something in front of us that is not yet. We see, as a matter of fact, we see more in front of us than is behind us. Behind us, we see challenge and victory and overcoming. And in front of us, we see more, more victory, more opportunity. Our, our prayer as a church, our faith as a church is to look and imagine and to say, what would it look like if 10,000 people in this area were born again and baptized in the Spirit and becoming disciples of Jesus Christ? What if we could change the landscape of this region with, and just with people having faith in Jesus Christ? What would it look like if more families were restored, if people were set free, if addiction fell, if oppression fell, these things fell off of people, and instead there was, the Bible says that, that, that righteousness exalts a nation. So what, what would happen if the righteousness of Jesus Christ could flood this valley and we could see transformation occur? We see something in front of us. We're further than where we've been, but we are in this race together. All right, why and how should we run? First, the scripture says this, we run because of the witnesses. Here it is. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, since we have this cloud, we run because of these witnesses. Here, the cloud of witnesses he is referring to, he started talking about in chapter 11. You guys in this boxer have got to quit that nonsense. Here, babe, take that. My staff is talking, and that's fine, but it's one off my back pocket. All right. Uh, Chapter 11, he writes this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So what we're about to see is this cloud of witnesses that have lived by that principle. Someone say faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is not settling for what I see. It is being certain. It is being assured of what I hope for. Faith reaches into the future for what is not yet, for what is promised, for what can be, for what Jesus paid for, and says, we believe for that. It doesn't settle for what is. It reaches forward for what seems to be impossible but is not. These are people that have lived that way. And then the author talks about these people. He starts with Abel. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. And then by faith, Enoch was taken up so he would not see death. And he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who would uh, come to him must believe that he is and that as a rewarder of those who seek him. He continues, by faith, Noah... And, the, and builds the ark. Then he talks about Abraham by faith, and he lists all this stuff that, that faith that Abraham did by. And then he gets to verse eleven by faith. Even Sarah conceived, received the ability to have to give birth at an old age. And he keeps going. He really likes Abraham and Sarah. He goes down to them for a while. Then he gets to twenty one by faith. Jacob, when he was dying. Bless the sons of Joseph. Jacob is dying. His life is over. But faith causes him to see what could be even beyond his own life. By faith, Moses, he continues, 
By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish. She, she acted in faith. All these people were recognized by their faith. And then he says, verse 32, But what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, saw marriages restored, saw kids come home, saw communities transformed, saw people set free. All that's right here in the Bible. They quenched the, fire, the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. From wickedness were made strong, were, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. But listen, others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins. This is also still happening in our world. People that will name the name of Christ and will face the most brutal of consequences just for saying they follow Jesus. And here's what the writer says, verse 39. All of these, having gained approval by their faith, didn't receive what is promised. All he means is it's not that God was holding out. It's that they didn't see, they didn't reach the end of the race yet. They gained approval. They finished their race, but the race isn't over. They finished their race, but the race isn't over. And here's why. Because God has provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. What he's saying is this, my friends. We run because of these witnesses. And how you and I run determines whether or not their race was successful. Let me say it better. How you and I run determines whether, they, whether or not they ran in vain. The success of their race is resting on yours. In a very mystical way, a massive baton is passed on to each generation. And how you run determines if they are, whether or not they ran in vain. So we run because of those who ran before us. We run our race because of the witnesses, because of those who ran before us. Uh, the writer calls them witnesses. In some languages, that meant spectators. People just watched. But he's not talking about spectators. He's not talking about people who are just, who are just enjoying the race. These are witnesses. The word is much closer to, to the word martyr. He's talking about people who have run their race and they have left some of their blood on the field. They have skin in the game. They've been there. They've finished and they, they, they uh, they're looking to make sure that you run your race well so that they will not have run in vain they are watching they are counting on you those people in the scriptures people that have run before you i'll say this your grandma who prayed for you is counting on you to run your parents my parents are counting on you there are people of a generation before us that sacrificed and gave and that invested that have lived well that have lived their whole lives Chuck and Bonnie give their lives to a continent of people and they're counting on somebody else to stand up and keep running keep running further these people are not just observing us friends they are they are a testimony to us. They are a testimony to us. They are witnesses that God is faithful. 
They are a testimony that God is faithful and that the race is worth it and that Jesus Christ is worth following. Their lives are a testimony to us to testify, to encourage us, keep running. Somebody say it again, keep running. Friends, you and I at Heritage Church and beyond, we are part of something that is larger than our lifetimes. This is why the Hebrew, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews, in the very next chapter, in chapter 13 and verses 7 and 8, he says this, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Say those three words with me, please. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those aren't two different ideas. He's saying that the same Jesus that was with them, the same Jesus that was faithful to them will be faithful to you. The same Jesus, Jesus that proved faithful and powerful and trustworthy, that kept his word, will do all the same for you. And what he says is this, remember your people. Remember those who came before you, not only in the book of Hebrews, not only in chapter 11, but remember those who came before you. Consider their life. Imitate their faith. That means, friends, of this. Imitate their faith. That means don't imitate necessarily every decision or opinion they had. How many know that every once in a while, you you and I can make a harebrained decision? And not for some of us, not every opinion is gospel. Some of us, okay? But I want you to see something in Hebrews 11 there. Some of you have, who have read your Bible, who have spent a little bit of time in the Old Testament, you read those names and you think, you know, uh, excuse me, writer of Hebrews, you left out a few things. Not all of those people did, a lot of, did everything awesome. Some of those people blew it. Sarah, oh, Sarah had faith for a kid. Yeah, first she laughed. Hey, wait a minute. How come the writer of Hebrews didn't include all the stuff that they did wrong? How come the writer of Hebrews didn't write down all of the times they blew it? You know what's interesting? It appears to me, it appears that at the end of the day, what heaven remembers and records is your faith. Yeah, he's looking. That's what he's looking. That's what's going to be remembered. That's going to be remembered. God, that's what he can deal with your dumbness. He can deal with the dumb things we do. He can cover the blood of Jesus is more than enough to cover our errors, our our mistakes, our poor judgments, all of those things. The the times that we've blown it, the times that we've let somebody else down or been let down, the blood of Jesus is more than enough. But what God is looking for is somebody who will live by faith. Do not be discouraged. Do not let things down. Is there anybody in the house that Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? We, we look back, and don't look back and be critical. Look back and think, what did they believe to be true about God, and how can I live accordingly? But if that's true, listen, if that's true, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God, consider and imitate their faith. If that's true, friends, then not only do you and I run for the sake of those behind us and inspired by those who ran behind us and inspired by their faith, we've got to take it a step further, don't we? You and I have to run so that our faith will inspire somebody else. Our faith must be something that is worth remembering. Let our faith be something that, that, that someone else can see now or see later and be inspired to trust Jesus, to follow Jesus, to know that God is faithful. Is your race honoring those who came before you and is your race inspiring those who have yet to run? We run because of the witnesses. Secondly, we run 
the writer says, without encumbrances. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles. This is imagery that is drawn from the rigorous protect, uh, preparation of Greek athletes before they would run a race. Before they would run, they would literally discard anything that slowed them down. They would not enter a race and bring with them. See, that was kind of, I was also hot, but also illustrating that. Okay. Um, <laughs> They were, they were, they were, they were removed from themselves. Anything that would slow them down, anything that would keep freedom of movement or speed, they would take off. Yes, if you're thinking it, it's true. That meant they would run naked. I know what you're saying. Hey, Dav. Yeah, I ain't running without my britches. Thank you. We appreciate that. <laughs> but I think the concern here is when people say, hey, Dav, yeah, I ain't running without my temper. I ain't running without my greed. I ain't running without my malice. I ain't running without my gossip. What am I going to do during the race? I mean, I got to have something to talk about. It might as well be somebody else. I ain't running without my insecurity or my fear or my jealousy. My resentment or my bitterness, I ain't running without that. Cost, it means too much to me. It's my, it's my precious. I got I to gotta stay bitter. I, I, I don't know what else to do with my heart unless I can be angry. No, the Bible says that this race is worth it all. It is worth more than your clinging to that would slow you down, poison you, and keep you from running. This author is talking about vices and besetting sins that are common to humanity that hinder our progress. And what he says is this clearly, lay them aside. He doesn't say set most of them aside or set the ones you're comfortable with or give it a good shot. He says this as an absolute imperative, lay them aside. You know what that means? It means you can. It means that what Jesus Christ did for you is enough for you to be free. It means anybody that tells you that living for Jesus is about struggling on and st- staying, staying in bondage until someday you die, anybody that puts more hope in a coffin than they do the cross does not understand the gospel. Jesus Christ has set you free, and he has sent his Holy Spirit to empower you to live that life. You can. Sin is not carry-on luggage. It is not a souvenir. It is stupid. It is poison. Lay it aside. Let us stop making the same foolish choices. Let us stop following that same flawed attitude. Fear will never help you. Doubt will always distract and discourage you. And the empty promises of this short-term world will only leave you with a very heavy emptiness. Do not cling to that which slows you. Let go of what makes you stop. Run without encumbrance. Thirdly, he says this, let us run with endurance. Ah, nuts. You know, I got to be honest, it would have been easier for me to say if he said if this Christian life was a single bench press. That'd be great. But then he, he says, he says, but it's not. 
It's not. It's you got to run with endurance. You know why that is? You know why you have to run? Why faith requires endurance? Because life is a long time. There are going to be reasons, if you, especially if you look for them, there are going to be reasons to give up or get distracted or get discouraged. But the only way to run this race, friend, is to realize that this is not a hobby. This is not a fad. This is not an experiment. It is our calling. And again, the cloud of witnesses remind us, those that, that were, are in this cloud, they are those that gave their life to this race. And for many people, this race cost them their lives. But not a single one of them would ever take their life back or trade anything for the race. I've never met anybody who regretted following Jesus. I not. I don't think there's anybody. Anybody in there? I don't want to. You'd be. I have never met anybody who said they regretted following Jesus. I have heard of some folk that wish they had followed Jesus, and I've met some folks who regretted dropping out of the race. Jesus is our life, and following Him is our life. There may be some of you in this room, you're having a bit of a tough race. You are facing some stuff, some challenges. There may be some in this room who you know you've actually stopped running. You say, I just came here for the fish. I got good news for you. Today's race day. Today's a day that you can start this race, you can join in this race. Today you can Follow Jesus with endurance. Never quit. Keep running. You know, I'm thankful for people in this room right now who haven't quit. A lot of people following Jesus who maybe had, re- who, who the, maybe the enemy wanted to give them considerate reasons to quit, but I'm thankful for those who haven't. I'm thankful, uh, I'm, I'm thankful, Meg, for your mama. I'm thankful for Mama Gail, who we, we hear stories about kids that were in her kids' ministry. And she ain't quit. She didn't quit. You know, these people are in church. And where's Gail? Still with the kids. Still doing it. Not, not quitting. Running with endurance. I'm thankful for the people that we're so honored to have in this room. I'm thankful for people like, like Bill and Sherry. For Chuck and Bonnie. I'm thankful for my folks. I'm thankful for people in this room who understand that this is a long race, but it's worth running who run with endurance. And heritage, you and I, we have a race in front of us. There is more for us to see, more for us to do, more for us to become. So we run with endurance. The next thing he says is this. You run the race that is set before you. With endurance, run the race that is set before us. In other words, we run our own race. Would you say that part out loud with me? We run our own race. The word race here means struggle or fight or contest. It doesn't mean that it's a contest between you and someone else. What it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a struggle. It's a contest between you and you. Between you and defeat. Furthermore, listen to this. The scripture says it's a race that is set before you. That means you don't choose or vote for the hills or the valleys. 
You don't choose or vote for the obstacles. You don't choose this race. You run it. Friend, I am thankful for a God who works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I'm thankful for a great, big, good God who is alive, who lives and loves and acts in the now. I'm thankful for a God who takes broken things and heals them, who takes lost things and finds them, who, takes, who, who redeems and restores. Aren't you thankful? I'm thankful. And I'll still say this, and yet, if I somehow had the ability... There are things in my life that if I had the choice, I would say, I wish that wasn't there. I wish those heartaches never happened. I wish those betrayals never happened. I wish that pain never entered my life. I wish the things that I wish that were different right now would be different instead of contending for them to be different. But I'll tell you what, I, will, this, I don't get to choose this race. My, I get to run this race. And I... I, I not everything in the race is pleasant and wonderful. Take it from me. I don't even like to run at all. I don't like showing up at the gym and it's on the whiteboard. Go run 14 and a half thousand miles today. Oh, no. We don't choose the race. We choose to run it. God, let God take care of it. Let God redeem. Let God restore. Let, let, listen, as a matter of fact, what the Bible says is make room for God to get even if necessary. Even vengeance, that's his job. Your job, run the race. Run the race. Your job is to run the race. Moreover, you are not Frank Sinatra. Not even this guy right here in the suit on the microphone here. Michael... Michael Bubble up here. No. no. <laughs> Why is he so mean to that kid? He's not. He loves him. Frank Sinatra said, I did it my way. You don't get to run this race your way. This is not your race. This is the race set before you. You run on his terms. You don't, get, you don't get to choose, oh, I think I'll, I'll follow a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. No, you run, you run his race or no race. Why? Because he paid for it. Moreover, you don't run comparing yourself against someone else or competition against anyone else. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is a kind of a mysterious one that's woven in the back of the Gospel of John. Peter, who I love. Peter is walking with Jesus, and Jesus had just said some mysterious thing about John that made it sound like John was going to live forever on earth until Jesus got back. Now, now the, the John will say in parentheses, Jesus didn't say that, but that's what Peter thought he heard. Peter is walking. Can you imagine this? Peter is walking with Jesus, but he wants to talk to Jesus about somebody else. Can you imagine that? He's, wanted, he, he's talking. I know it's hard to imagine. He's with Jesus. He he is following, walking with Jesus, but he wants to change the subject to somebody else. Who would have think a thing? Peter says to Jesus, what about John? He actually says, well, what about him? He points his finger at somebody else and compares his walk or his race to that guy's race. He compares, he contrasts, he competes. Well, what about him, Lord? And you know what Jesus says? I love this about Jesus. Essentially, here's the first part to paraphrase, but what he says is this. What I want for someone else, what concern is that of yours? 
And here's what he says, you follow me. But Lord Jesus, what about that? What about, what about you follow me? Well, but I'm not like that. You follow me. You, this is a race where you follow Jesus. Run the race that is set before you. You cannot, you cannot run comparing, contrasting, competing. No, follow Jesus. Lastly, of this, we close with this. We run toward Jesus. Scripture says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Fixing our eyes, focused, not here, not there, not distracted. Fixing our eyes literally means this. The literal context, this means, he's saying, look away from everything else and look only toward Jesus. How do I run? I, I fix my eyes on Jesus. Jesus is why we run. It's where he is where we run. It is he is who we run for, and he is who we run toward. One more quick thing, a little Bible fun. Most of the time in the New Testament, when, when Jesus is mentioned, he's mentioned as Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ because that's his title. He's the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, right? He's the Messiah. But here the writer of Hebrews, who's writing to a largely Hebrew audience, doesn't even mention Messiah. Doesn't mention Christ. He just says Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, why does he do that? I, here's what's interesting. Here's, here's what some commentators suggest, and I think they're probably right. They talk about Jesus, like as in Jesus who, who lived the same flesh and blood life as you. He's talking, he said, fix your eyes on the person who already ran the same race you run in, who, who felt the same challenges, who felt the betrayal, who, who walked through life, who flesh and blood, skin, bones, was hungry, got tired, had family, had to put up with family, had friends, had lost some friends. And of course, Jesus, who suffered more than and uniquely differently than any other person so that you and I will never have to experience what he did. He tasted, he exchanged the kind of suffering that in order to give us something. that he, he experienced what he could never deserve so that you and I can experience what we don't deserve. But we keep our eyes on Jesus, the one who has already run this race. What that tells us is that you can finish because Jesus has blazed a trail. Jesus has blazed a trail, and Jesus is waiting for you at the finish line. We run toward him. How do we run? We run fixing our eyes on him. And that's even how we start this race. You realize that? That you can't, you don't, if you ever run a race, if you have ever run a race or run at all, you, you are not confused about whether or not you're running. If you are not, let me say it this way. If you're not sure you're in a race, you're not. Well, I don't know if I'm running. You're not. Nobody is in a race automatically or accidentally. And nobody is a follower of Jesus automatically or accidentally. If you're a follower of Jesus, you'll know. If you're in this, this race, this life of faith, you'll know. You'll know the day it began. I was talking with Dr. Ed Gomes this last, this last Friday. We were on our way to lunch, and he was asking me about my life and my life story. And I, I tried. I was, I was very sincere, but I just told him what I tell everybody. He's like, well, tell me about how you came to the Lord. And I said, uh, well, I'm 47, and I've been in church 48 years. 
And he said, and you know what? He, and, and he didn't flinch. He said, yeah, but when did it start? He said, when did it start? Because he knew. You don't, just because you hang out in a house doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. Doesn't mean you heard about the Bible, you're a follower of Jesus. You know how you follow Jesus? You decide to follow Jesus. So he said, so when did it start? So I said, oh, okay, I'll tell you, because I remember, I remember being seven years old. I remember in the back, at back of the pew, back, back of the church. Only, I don't know why we were in the back, but we were. We were in the back of the pew. They showed one of them Sunday night scare movies with a guillotine, chopped somebody's head off. Bunch of hippies dressed bad, bad music, but that guillotine chopped that lady's head off. And I said, <laughs> I said, I don't know about that, but I know I got to do something. <laughs> Seven years old, but it wasn't the guillotine, my friend. I went down to, an, I went down, I can show you the spot. I went down to an altar and knelt down and my mama went with me. And, I, and because I know my mom, she probably was reading Romans Road. And I remember feeling in my belly. I could, she was reading the Bible and I could feel it in here. I remember saying to my mom, keep reading that. It feels good. And I knelt. I knelt. I knew God. I knew about Jesus. I could quote Bible verses. I could tell you about I sang in Christmas things. I dressed like an angel. But that day, I decided to follow Jesus. This race has a beginning. This race has a finish. And, this, and, G, and fixing your eyes on Jesus is the way that you begin, and it is the way that you win. Run the race. I've gone over time today. They're going to be waiting for us very soon. Many of you are already wondering why I keep talking right now. First service, I had Dr. Ed Gomez come and close us in prayer. But I think I, to this service, I'm going to wind this thing down. It's warm in the room, and you've been very patient. But I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, please, across the room now, please, in prayer. I cannot, I cannot say, hey, let's go eat without just saying this. I said it earlier, you'll know whether you're in this race or not. So I just want to say, in, in right now today, today's race day, if you don't know if you're in this race, if you don't know that you have decided to follow Jesus, if you haven't said, Lord Jesus, I want to make you my Lord, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, be my Savior, my Lord. If you have not decided to follow Jesus, you can do that today. You can start right now today. We would love to pray with you and for you today. No, you don't sign contracts. You don't do paperwork. This is faith. We would love to pray with you today, to agree with you today, to recognize, to help you get started in this race. We do not run alone or in secret. Run with us. Join the race. So with our heads bowed across this room, I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand in a moment and just say, 
if that's you, you, you say, I don't know. I don't have confidence. I'm not sure that I'm following Jesus. I want to. I want to follow Jesus. I want to decide today to join this race. I want to run toward Christ. I want to live my life with focus and purpose, meaning following Jesus Christ until I meet him face to face. Right now, please, with everybody, every head bowed across this room, can I ask you right now, say, hey, Dav, today will you pray for me? I want to join this race. I want to follow Jesus. Would you lift up one hand? Just lift it up and hold it there till I can see you. Thanks, little brother. Somebody else, lift up a hand. Let me see you. Let me see a hand that says, hey, today, today's my day. I want to follow. I don't know for sure, but today I want to know. I want to follow Jesus Christ. Is there anybody else in this room you might say, you know what? I know, I, I know I've decided to follow Jesus, but my race is not the way it should be. I've been dragging my feet, been distracted. I've been carrying stuff I shouldn't carry. Today I want to I want to run without encumbrance and with endurance the race set before me. I'm just going to ask the Lord to help me with my race today. Help me to run. Today I want to challenge you just to, to consecrate yourself. Will you join this race? Will you run this race? This might be a little different. I'm just going to ask you this. Don't just do it just because... But if today you'll say, yes, that's me. I want to run this race. I have decided I will follow Jesus. I will run this race. I will run with endurance until I see him face to face. If you'll run today, would you stand to your feet with me across this room? If you'll run. Say, that's me. I'm going to run today. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Sing that again. I have decided I have decided to follow Jesus I have I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow turning back no turning back Father, I pray today that you would see every heart, every life every, every decision, every consecration in this room Lord, every person runs this race but we are in this together Holy Spirit, would you empower us would you anoint us afresh today to run the race that before us with joy, with endurance great hope. Let us run with faith. This we pray in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. Can we give the Lord thanks today? Can we do that?